0: Welcome to the Theory of DFS podcast. I'm Jordan Cooper, a.k.a. Blenderhead, HD on Twitter. I'm the co-author of the Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports. It's a 15-hour audio DFS masterclass at theoryofdfs.com. We've got NBA coming up soon, and uh, this course is for all sports. NFL, NBA, MLB, PGA, eSports, soccer. It's the overall game theory of DFS. It's 10 plus chapters. It's essentially me in your pocket. Me and uh, James McCool did a 15-hour masterclass, and it's all the concepts that you need to become a long-term, profitable player at DFS. And join with me, as usual, from, from a Thanksgiving week break of doing a hell of a lot of content, is another long-term, profitable player. It's, uh, it's Eric for. Who did not consume a piece a single piece of content? I, I did two episodes. Since you were doing so much content last <laughs> week, I felt like I needed to do the same thing since I don't really do any written <laughs> work. Uh, yeah. so, so I did an episode with Matt Kajeski, where we talked primarily about the NFL slate and then talked to Pete Overzet about skin in the game. And uh, you, you, you didn't even bother you didn't even bother to watch or listen to, to either of the past two, two episodes. You'd, we could have talk shit about you.
1: And you wouldn't even know. Well, you probably, you, you probably did for all for all that I know. No, no I, 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 think, yeah, I think I think it's worse.
0: I, I think it's worse if they don't talk yeah. about you at all.
1: Right. That means they just don't care. Right. That's the saying. Right. If you if you don't even show any emotion about me being gone, that means you don't give a shit. But uh, no, I, I have not had a chance. You know, I was talking to you before we started. Last week was nuts. You know, I talked to you about uh, skipping skipping last week because it was just like you know more than double the content because I was doing a little bit extra for thanksgiving like additional content even more than i more than i normally would we're recording multiple shows we don't know if the steelers ravens game is happening so you're you're you know then you're going back and updating you're like doing double triple the work which like i'm not asking for for sympathy you know i i do dfs content for a living but it was just it was just crazy and then obviously like i'm still trying to enjoy thanksgiving and spend some time with my with with my family so it was, it was crazy. Yeah. I, I, I normally do consume a decent amount of content just to kind of get a feel for what's going on around the industry. And there's some people whose opinions that I value and trust. Um, I didn't read or listen to one piece not absolutely nothing last week. So, um, I think that was actually kind of good. It was, it was kind of like refreshing almost like going into Sunday. It was probably the least amount of like you know content and, and maybe even like research that I had that I had done and it was the the slate was absolute anarchy, but I actually think it kind of put me in a, in a good mental spot on Sunday to kind of not have anything else clouding, clouding my judgment. Um, There's a little, you know uh, uh, there's, there's pluses and minuses to, to consuming different things. But in terms of, you know, your show with Matt and Matt and Pete, I'm definitely going to go back and listen to it this week. Now that, you know, we're back into a little bit more normal group. Well, as normal of a group as we can get with this goddamn Ravens Steelers game getting getting pushed back every, every day. So I'll get, I'll, I'll get to it. You're not, I'm not, I'm not kicking you guys to the curb. Okay.
0: Well, I mean the, this past Sunday, I mean, with the fact that you didn't consume much content, I mean, it's not like you have to, I mean, like I, yeah. I do it out of the sake of like, I, I pride myself on the fact that, that I'm the combination of the algorithmic based ownership projections and hearing sentiment around the industry and seeing the chatter I think I have a better grip on how players will react to news and what the ownership. Mm-hmm. I, I think I could I could identify the ownership a little bit better that way. So I mean, I, I leave stuff mm-hmm. on. I mean, it's not it's not like I'm like oh I'm hovering around my phone or something like I got to hear every word. But due to the fact that you didn't, you still in your uh, in your high stakes tournament lineup review on Roto Grinders, uh, which you, you put out today, and you do a premium piece discussing your thoughts from a high stakes tournament perspective before the slate. But, but putting, putting that up here, like you, you talked in a way that you, you were paying attention. It almost felt like you were paying attention Friday and Saturday because,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, I was of the opinion early in the week that the chiefs were the, the chiefs were the play. Like the chi- like, like yeah. just, just uh, people are looking at Chargers bills going, okay, I could play Allen, I could play Diggs, I could play Gabriel Davis if John Brown is out, then Keenan Allen, he's been getting there all the time, right? Eckler's coming back, so did he possibly play him? Uh, and I just thought that based on, on the projections, based on the team totals, that the Chiefs, people weren't going to be able to play as much of the Chiefs-Bucks game because of the relative lack of value. And then obviously throughout the week, like value starts opening up here and there. We get cheap running back value. We get cheap. Uh, we get DJ Chark is out and Conley's out. So you got the Jacks receivers. Uh, so it made it, the Chiefs stacks, a much more tenable option that you, you could get there. Even if you wanted to play mm-hmm. Mahomes, Hill and Kelsey, you could, you you could have done that. I mean, that there was no, there was, I mean, yes, you were hamstrung in some parts of your lineup, but there was enough value that you could do it. Uh, but when it came to Saturday, you kind of flipped. You did the, you know, you you anti-leveled the field <laughs> of like, mm-hmm. well, I'm just going to go back to the Chargers-Bills game. And the way that I, I approached it the opposite way. I approached it the, the way that the Chiefs-Bucks game was so beyond all the other games. Because I mm-hmm. thought that, that Ridley... Uh, was fine for the Falcons. But with Julio out of that offense, like, I thought that game could could be a, a bit of a shit show. I mean, I still played a bunch of it, but I was more inclined to play Jacobs more. I was more inclined to play, you know, stacks with Aguilar and then run it mm-hmm. back with Ridley. I mean, I did still play a bunch of that game, but I just saw that the Chargers had a 24-point implied total. I thought that the offense would be spread out a bunch so it's like, I don't want to go there. And then the 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 Titans-Colts game was, who, how do you stack the Colts? It's very hard to do that. You had the two cheap running backs, so I'm like, maybe I'll take a shot on Jordan Wilkins because people are playing Hines. And then yeah. maybe I'll take a shot on, uh, instead of playing an, a lot of Henry, I played a lot of A.J. Brown and Corey Davis as the, okay, it's a high total game in a dome you know, I play yeah. a couple of Tannehill stacks, but I'm most likely going, you know, Naeem Himes with A.J. Brown. Naeem Hines or Jordan Wilkins with with yep. Corey Davis, that type of secondary correlation. Uh, but I think what kept me on the Chiefs was the lack of ownership on the Bucks. It was yeah. due to the fact of, like, <clears throat> I felt as if, yes, the Chiefs picked up, like, why, why aren't we just stacking the Chiefs every week? I mean, like... It came back to that, and I'm like, okay, then I'll do that. I'll play uh, a three plus one. I'll play Mahomes plus two of Hill, Kelsey, or Watkins, because he was back. And then I'll just play one one run back. Just give me Brown, give me Godwin, give me Evans, give me Gronk, and just, I'll, I'll just, I'm going to build half my lineups that way. I'm like, because I'm obviously, you know, I could build 50, 60 lineups. Even in single entry, you know, I was playing out of my six lineups, I think four of them were mahomes stacks and one of them was a brady stack cuz i was doing the opposite mm-hmm. way i'm just saying that there are low enough owned pieces of this game where i could still stack the game and still be and still be leveraged enough so i didn't feel like i had that option as much in the bills chargers game because the pieces seemed too obvious like allen davis Diggs, uh henry allen herbert i thought i thought herbert allen combination was overpriced. And I know I'm looking at your lineup right now and that's exactly what you played. Cause I looked Mm -hmm. at your, 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 your high stakes review today. And I'm like, Herbert, Allen, Eckler, like, don't don't you think this is a bit pricey for, for, and then you are playing Davis on the, you're like, okay, that's my only piece of the bills. It almost Mm -hmm. seems like to me, I viewed the slate as if you're going to play Eckler, you don't play Eckler and Allen together. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to play Herbert, like yeah, I can understand playing Allen, but you don't play Eckler with Herbert even though yes, he got 11 catches out of the backfield. Just feel like for a 24-point implied total, being that they were the 15th of 22nd in implied total on the slate, how much do, I mean, it's the same price. Eckler, Herbert, and Allen are virtually the same price as the Chiefs, virtually the same price as as I mean, cheaper, the Raiders were cheaper, the Dolphins were cheaper, and they had higher implied totals. So like was it just due to the fact that that you were going there to anti level the Chiefs? Because I mean so you didn't you didn't you didn't listen to content. So how did you know that that the Chiefs ownership was going to come up and the Chargers ownership was going to come down? The point that I'm making is that even with the Chiefs ownership what they were, I still think it was underwhelmed.
1: Yeah, I th- so I think it's a I think it's a few different things. Uh, so first, I, I don't even think I. would got into it. Like in my piece, there's only so much you can write in one piece. I don't think that there's one, obviously like one, you know, like right or wrong answer. Right. I think what you said is, I, I don't think that there's anything wrong with what you said, right? Like the, the buck side of things was not owned. I mean, Antonio Brown did, did get pretty owned, um, in, in a lot of, in a lot of contests, which is also kind of what I saw. So anyway, taking a step back, Early in the week, I had the same thoughts that you did. And then you start to see all this value open up. And we've played this game long enough to know that once all this value starts to open up, you have the highest projected players basically at every position are are Chiefs, like projected points. And every week we've seen this this happened in the Raiders game. Um, The Chiefs picked up steam in the Raiders game. It happened in... Um, even like Jets games this is, this has just been a trend that we start to see these sneaky right and on Wednesday this is your sneaky oh the Chiefs are the third highest owned fourth highest owned stack because they're expensive well money was of no object in my opinion on on this slate salary cap almost didn't matter Yeah, like I, I get that people are like worried about like Jags receivers or Gabriel Davis or Andy Isabella or whatever pick your run pick your cheap running back right um you know even like up to like wayne gallman wayne gallman ended up no no one was playing wayne gallman anymore why he's five thousand dollars why i don't know but like there's there was infinite cheap players with like real legitimate ceilings it's like salary was like almost of no object to me and it was of no object to the field it, like i i just have the the hundred dollar millie pulled up because i was just looking at some stuff this morning three that Kelsey is the third highest owned player, Tyreek is the sixth highest owned player and Mahomes is the highest owned quarterback at 21 percent So yes, Antonio Brown is 15%. So, you know, four, 14.1 actually. Yeah. So like, yes, you can there are ways to get different, but they lead you to to issues in putting a team together. You're, you 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 need value to to make Mahomes, Tyreek, Kelsey, say Godwin work or antonio brown now you're you're punting and you're punting at running back well everyone is punting at running back so now are you playing naheem hines well he's the chalkiest he's the chalkiest guy on the slate okay well are you fading Naheem? are you playing brian hill he's one of the chalkiest plays on the slate. okay are you fading those guys now you're like you're, you're 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 ab you're forcing in um other punts you know and basically you're just coin flipping other cheap stacks so now i'm playing I, i'm playing against you know it depends on your contest, right? Either thousands or hundreds or whatever. Fifty other Mahomes stacks, and if Mahomes at twenty-one percent crushes, if Tyreek and Kelsey at thirty, twenty-five and thirty percent hit, okay. Now I'm just playing my Matt Breida versus your Naheem Hines to hope to hope to beat you. So um, I think that there's. There, there's and, and that's not even like unreasonable. I've like kind of done that this year. I, I think it's a little bit of a personal preference type of thing. I didn't think salary was really of any issue. And I did believe that the charger like I uh, I know like you're mentioning team total. Some people will laugh because I'm like the most anti like Vegas and and betting market thing when it comes to DFS ever. Like I thought the 24 point total was egregious for the for the chargers. Obviously, you know, at, frankly, it was wrong. It was too high. But I don't. I think that that was that was that was awful. Uh, Justin Herbert has become like a drop back and throw fifty times type of guy, and and I think that that offense was appropriately appropriately priced and ha- less than half the ownership. Justin Herbert was five percent, Keenan Allen was ten percent, and Eckler was like eight percent compared compared to those Chiefs. And relative upside was, in my opinion, no different whether or not you know they had a higher or lower team total. And I think based on you know, how that game played out, I'm pretty, I'm pretty happy with, with, you know, Keenan Allen, like you said, coming into the week, everybody's like, Oh my God, you got to play Keenan Allen. He just smashes every single week. And I think Justin Herbert deserves to be $7,000, you know, and I think the bills are, are horrible, a horrible, horrible defense. And the Chargers marched up and down the field on them. So I think there's this, um, I think I had a little bit different opinion maybe of the slate than, than everybody else did. Like I love the chiefs too. I like, I absolutely love the chiefs. And I think the only thing I'm kicking myself for a little bit was possibly using them as like a secondary correlation. Uh, but I was, I, once we got to, to to Sunday, I was not, I was definitely not stacking, stacking the chiefs just because, you know, if I wanted to, it was going to be Mahomes. Tyreek, maybe, maybe, maybe Watkins. But then again, I'm still playing. I'm still playing such a you know the highest owned stack on the slate, and 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 turning it into to two v twos against the field, which is in my contest a little bit tougher. Right, like when when there's a 300 man field or whatever, and 60 of them are on the same stack. Now I'm just it. It becomes really tough to play those same those same stacks against against that many people um, of, of the field. And like I said, I think I had a little bit different opinion like than you or the field did on the Chargers-Bills game because I, I thought it was just as good of a game. Uh, it, all, all week I thought it was just as good of a game, but I preferred the Chiefs because I thought they were lower. And then I'm – like you said, I'm not consuming content, but like I'm still on Twitter. I'm still like in Slack and Discord and, and whatever, and I'm just seeing – seeing like people, you know, are all thinking the same thing. People are like, Oh my God, everybody is going to play the bills. You know, everybody's going to play Josh Allen stacks. And so I can just play the chiefs, you know, at a third of the ownership. That's all everybody was saying Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And then you get all this value open up and I'm like, okay, everybody thinks that they're going to play the chiefs at lower ownership. And now everybody has infinite value to access the chiefs prices. So like, it just became pretty apparent, I think, that the Chiefs were by far like the, the stone chalk uh, on Sunday. And I just – that's kind of how I – I don't really want to be on the stone chalk, chalk stack. It has never really worked out for me and it's, it's – it's for me, the best path to winning is avoiding that, that stone that, – that super chalky stack as opposed to playing it and then having to you know get – like really force in some, some super high leverage stuff. Um, it just hasn't been super successful for me. So that's my personal preference. But like you said, I, I don't think it's wrong either. Like what you did, especially, you know, talking a little bit different, uh, the field, you know, the contest, right, types. right. Like I, I definitely don't like, think it would. I, like, I'm, I'm, I brought
0: up a uh, results DB on the screen for the YouTube people. If you're on YouTube watching this, hit the thumbs up button, hit the subscribe button, <laughs> hit the notification bell, hit whatever you want. Uh, and if, if you're listening to podcasts, uh, you could, uh, a rate and review in iTunes, right? They, they, that's, that's what everyone says, if you listen to a podcast or a YouTube video. But I brought up, yeah. like, the difference. Like, we always talk about on the, on these past episodes when we, we go over a slate and our decision-making process is that you're playing the small, high-stakes, small fields, and I'm playing mm-hmm. the lower-stakes, big fields, and the ownership is going to be different. So, like, I, I have pulled up, the like, the mega-millionaire, which is like that 16 max entry, $4,500 contest, which it, it only has, uh, it, it's it's not a big field. But like, if we take a look at the ownership there, like Mahomes, 28%, Tyreek, 31%, Hines, 49%, Kelsey, 40%. Like, you're right. Like, that that is the chalk stack. But then if we go to the play action, which is a $3.20 max, Mahomes is half his owned 14%. Mm-hmm. Still one of the most owned quarterbacks. Like uh, Tyreek Hill, 19%. Travis Kelsey, 20%. So the difference between the mega millionaire and the play action is like half the owners, nearly half. Like Tyreek, 31 to 19. Kelsey, 40 to 20. Mahomes, 28 to 14. So I'm looking at those numbers going, uh, I think the stack is, is way too under-owned. I, I think, mm-hmm. like, like that now at this point... I agree. There's still, the totally right, right, still the chalk stack. And I totally agree. Right, right, but there's still the chalk stack. I want to get really clear that, like, they could still be chalk, and you could still, they could still be under-owned. And we yep. take a look at, at guys like, if we go to, uh, uh, like, Keenan Allen, for instance. Keenan Allen was 10% in the Mega Millionaire. He was 15.8% in the play action. He was 159 in the regular Millie. If we go to uh Herbert, Herbert was 3% owned in the Mega Millionaire, in the regular millie he was 9.8% owned, and in the play action oh, he was yeah. 11.1% owned. So if <laughs> Herbert is 11% owned and Mahomes is 14% owned. You could understand now Eric how my oh, yeah. attitude when I'm building my 100 plus lineups. I'm like like I take a look at the Bucks, like I, I Godwin as my top play on the on the Buccaneers. In the Mega Millionaire, he was 8% owned, 8.3% owned, because obviously he fits together with chief stacks, right? And yep. typically people that play higher stakes are cognizant of correlation more, right? So 8.35% for Godwin in the Mega Millionaire. In the play action, 5.75%, right? I take a look at Evans. Evans... Four percent in the Mega Millionaire, six percent in the play action. Actually, because Evans got a bunch of targets, so you have like kind of that kind of recency bias there. But then Wait, you take a look at Antonio, Antonio Brown. Do
1: Antonio Brown?
0: Antonio Brown in the Mega Millionaire was twenty-two percent owned. <laughs> he was ten percent in the play action. Like you could see the dramatic differences between the contests that we play, mm-hmm. and that the decision that you made. For your contest, I th- I think was fine. I th- I mean I'm not a, I'm still not a big fan of the Eckler and Allen in the same lineup. I think yeah. if you're not going to play Kelsey, play Hunter Henry as your as your mm-hmm. as you fill the tight end spot. Like I'm just I just thought Eckler and Allen at their prices, like Eckler's just going to steal targets from Allen, and at eight thousand, can Allen get there if Eckler is going to you know smash? Yeah. That's that, that 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 to me that's the only question. Like if you just played Herbert, Allen, Henry. Like, I I'm I'm looking at the going like I wasn't into the Chargers, but I understand why you were, based on mm-hmm. the ownership of higher stakes, smaller field contests. But you could look at the same way where, like, if I viewed the Chargers Bucks uh Bills game and the if I told you that Chiefs would only have about a little bit more ownership than that game, like your attitude probably be very similar to mine of like just then go three times then just Double yes. down, triple down, and and especially with the Bucks receivers where it's who knows who's going to get there. Like, mm-hmm. I'm just like, I'm just going to devote. I'm, I'm playing Brady stacks. I'm playing Mahomes. I'm just like, ha, let 60% of my lineups be this. And then I still have one-offs in other lineups. So I have Tyreek Hill one-offs. I have secondary correlations. I have Gronk mm-hmm. Gronk plus a uh, Hill in a lineup. I have Kelsey plus Godwin in another lineup just based this this is I mean this is why we talk about it so much in the course and on this podcast and all the streams that both you and I do that fitting the lineup for the contest is so much of an underutilized like concept that people think about they think in terms of plays they think in terms of well uh well Eric's gonna play this or you know you do the cue hunting with with John with Breslin with Skrull Patrol. And, like, mm-hmm. you guys are talking about, like, like, contests like the Game Changer. Like, you're mm-hmm. you're barely even talking about contests like the Power Sweep, which is yeah. a three max with, like, 6,000 entries, which is still big enough that, like, it's still a big enough contest that, yes, it's not the Milli but you could still get a bit weird and, and a little bit nutso in your lineup, <coughs> right? But when you're playing qualifiers, when you're playing 200-person, 300-person contests, like... If you see that Dalvin Cook's ownership, like to me, the Dalvin Cook ownership was the thing that I think more people did in the, like if I looked at the mega, because because people were playing uh, the the chalk Mahomes stack, obviously you couldn't fit in Dalvin Cook, so people differentiated there and -hmm. played different running backs. So we saw, like I'm taking a look at... uh, some of the guys in the Mega Millionaire. Like, I have Chipotle, 2-Gun, Giant Squid, Ricky D, Osimo, CSU, and 180 Degrees Miami. And you could see that a whole bunch of, like, Giant Squid went over on on Cook, but, like, Chipotle under, CSU under. Like, you could see the running back exposures here. And, like, James Robinson. And uh, people still play Naheem Himes, because I think he was the best value running back. Uh, But we saw Josh Jacobs, Mike Davis and 2-Gun played a bunch of Mike Davis. Like, getting difference there. Like, Austin Eckler for 2-Gun, but a lot of these guys didn't play any Eckler. Wayne Gallman, not many... 0% Wayne Gallman amongst these these guys, other than 180 Degrees Miami with 25%. But Brian Hill, I mean, he was a dud, but people played him, Hill, Hines. But more people seemed to get off the the cook train, but I think that was more of a byproduct of price. Because how yep. do you how do you play Mahomes kill Kelsey and Cook and like even with the value you, you don't you don't have enough money so right. so I understand I I I don't want to like scold you for for what you did because like until you take a look at the contest that you were playing now I could understand better like even in your article like even in your article you don't even highlight that enough I think mm-hmm. that you don't highlight the fact that. Like, I'm just seeing right here your lineup on the screen that you came in 169th place and you scored 133.04 points. But I don't know how big this field is. I don't know what this tournament is. So, mm-hmm. like, you're talking about your your plays, and I'm like, that's why I read it and said, like, oh, well, I wouldn't have done this, because my natural reaction is like, well, I'm not playing in, I'm not playing in the game changer. So, like, like to me, like I could see someone looking at this free piece of content on Roto Grinders going, like, oh, I did the same thing, and, you know, I, whatever, and, like, not realizing that, like, you're playing a $1, you know, something or other contest, and and Travis Kelsey is the best tight end projected play on the board. Like, there's still 80% of the field playing other tight ends. Like, that's not a reason to not play Travis Kelsey anymore. Like, that, right. that's a reason to play him because they have, we have too many people that are trying to, you know, Anthony Ferks are up their lineups. And, like, what are you doing? Like, why don't you just, mm-hmm. like, you have the money to win the tight end position. Why don't you do it? It turns out you didn't need to. Like, that That was fine. But, like, I understand, like, Nick Chubb at 12% in your contest was, was fine. But Nick Chubb was 20% owned in the play action. So, like, that's why I played a bunch of Kareem Hunt. Mm-hmm. But in your contest, Chubb made sense. At 10% owned in the mega versus twenty percent don't in the play action. Like these ownership percentages are like double like what what it is. And it's obviously it's a byproduct of, of the, the field size yeah. and how lineups go together. But but just really, you know, if one of the things that I bang on a lot about on, on every show that I do, even the showdown ones where I say, dude, I'm playing the large field stuff for a million bucks. Like if the stuff that I'm saying doesn't make any sense, it's not supposed to. Like it's not supposed to, it's, it's supposed to be, this is a weird thing that could happen that no one's going to make a lineup for. So maybe I could win a million dollars solo doing this. And people are in the chat going, this guy's an idiot, right? (laughs) Who would ever do, who would ever play, play a wide receiver without the quarterback and the flex as captain, right? Who would ever play two, two tight ends from the same team together? Right. And, 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 and up, up, up that one, that was a solo unique winner on the 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 Seahawks uh, Eagles showdown slate. Like I didn't mm-hmm. do that. I mean, I, I didn't make that. I was actually under on Metcalf. Uh, but people look at that and go, "That's a stupid lineup." It's like not for that contest. It isn't, right? If you're playing the right. hundred eighty dollars single entry or whatever the high stakes stuff, like dude, you don't have to like to beat three hundred people. Like you're probably going to have a unique line. You could get a little off the board and still have a unique lineup. If worst case scenario, it's duplicated maybe two or three times. Right. But, but I, I think that, that, that it this show, this podcast does a, a much more of a, a service in the fact that I play primarily large field GPPs and
1: you play small field ones. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, you know, it's a good point on, on the, the, the piece and something I'm I even took some 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 notes on because it's something I uh, you know it's just like how my brain functions right that's like I, I'm thinking for my contest and this is how I have played for so long that like that's just how my brain is working I'm like oh my god all the guys I'm playing against are playing the Chiefs now you know just that's just like this week it's just the example from this week but it happens every week where something happens in the in the fields that you're you know that each individual person is playing. For me, it happens to be the smaller field stuff against, you know, the, the best players in the world. And something happens that shifts ownership. And the and just as you showed an outline, I mean, look at the differences. So, you know, playing 14% Mahomes, you know, a, a 14% Mahomes and 15% Tyreek Hill in, you know, whatever the, the the play action is like, I mean, in my opinion, that's like egregiously low. But those guys are 40 percent owned, you know, in this. And like you said, I'm trying to win a million bucks, too. And, and, and when, you know, a third of the field at least has those has, you know, the combination of those guys. And then they also have, you know, some of the same bring backs that I would want to use. Like it's just it's just very, very difficult to win the contests that I'm in. So my brain is just wired to think like, oh, OK, you know, he, here's how I'm thinking about this. But I do need to do a better job, which we do talk about on here, right? We talk about it every single week about what, how important it is that your contest type matters, and so um, you know I want to make sure to to outline that uh, in in my articles and stuff. You see, uh, one, one thing that I I wanted to touch on here at the the tight end position because I because I agreed, like I don't think this lineup was perfect. I, I think this week was hard as hell. I don't I don't know what you thought. A lot of people were like really excited for this week. Uh, And maybe it's different for you, multi-entering, so maybe that's something we can talk about too, is on these weeks, like, there was, like, an infinite amount of plays. Like, you know, we we talked about, like, you were a little lower on the Chargers, I was higher on the Chargers. Who gives a shit, really, like, what people's opinion was? Like, but there were, like, at least, you know, Keenan Allen was, like, at least in play, right? Austin Eckler was in play, Hunter Henry, et cetera. Raiders, like, I... Same thing as you. I became lower on like the Raiders Falcons game when when Julio was out. But you're not going to argue with anybody that played, that played, you know, uh, guys from that game. Like I could totally see why why you would. Uh, I, I was on the show on Sunday morning with Tam. But, like he really liked some of the Colts, particularly like T. Y. Hilton. I could see why you would play Michael Pittman. I could see why you would play A. J. Brown. Whatever. And those are like unowned plays, you know, on, on this slate. Not even taking into account Chiefs and 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 some of that stuff so there were so many plays and so many value plays that you know I'm not playing many teams and so I it was definitely uh, a difficult week for for me and I think that's why I landed where I did because I wanted to like I, I was I was really high on the Chargers I know you you weren't really high on the Chargers but like Eckler became like the Chargers the theory of the Chargers play right Justin Herbert like you said no one at higher stakes was playing the chargers anymore. You know, no relative, no one, 5% Justin Herbert and 10% Keenan Allen and Austin. And no one was playing Austin Eckler or 8% Austin Eckler. Eckler was like my favorite play. So you could argue that I should have just stuck with like an Eckler, Gabe, Eckler, Gabe, secondary correlation. Um, cause I'll, I, I will also admit total bias. I was never, I was always playing Gabriel Davis just because I love him and he's $3,000. And it was, I love, I love like it, it was like my favorite play. So, sometimes you have a little bit of bias. So I was always playing him. Eckler became like my favorite play. So you could argue that I should have adjusted, but I also just the theater, like the premise behind the chargers going from, you know, maybe the best play to, to some people to, to now no one, no one was playing them in, you know, maybe the, the best game or the second best game was something I really liked. And I really, really liked the wide receiver value, even, even more probably than, than the running back value. So it gave me paths to, to guys like, you know, just kind of flipping the build, right. Dalvin isn't flipping the build, but playing a bunch of expensive running backs and cheap wide receivers was not uh, a popular construction given what everybody started to do with the chiefs. Everybody starts to pay up at quarterback and wide receiver and tight end. And now they're using the cheap running back. So I kind of, I kind of liked flipping it and playing Chubb, giving me that, that, that jack. Now I'm, uh, uh, the, the Jaguars thing didn't, didn't work out for me. You know, it ended up being Colin Johnson. I don't know what you did with the Jaguars wide receiver. So maybe those two things we can, we can talk about, um, how, how you handle in MME, those kind of ambiguous, like, you know, wider, clearly a Jag in my, it was, of, I was of the opinion on Sunday morning. I don't know how one of the Jags pass catchers doesn't just like obliterate their price. I didn't know who it was going to be, but I, I could not see a path to every single Wide receiver and tight end on the Jaguars being basically minimum price, against a pretty whole, in in a pretty good matchup. That I, I don't know how they they failed, and so that was another reason why I was high, why I was high on that. And then, um, um, yeah. So like MME, the, these kind of slates with like a ton of ton of plays. I'm interested in your takes on that. And then like a situation like the Jags where. You know, I don't know how someone fails, but they're all cheap. How are you thinking about those?
0: Well, I mean, when when I, when I MME and I'm, I'm like, I'm not playing 150, but I mean, I, mm-hmm. spread, I spread it out. I think this past line, I actually played 150 lineups, but not all in the oh. contest. Yeah. But like, I mean, because they had the $10 milli, right, which right. kind of destroys some of the other contests. So I'm like, <laughs> I'll play, I'll play 40 in the slant. I'll play the 20 max, then there were two 20 maxes because they opened up a late one, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll add 20 entries into that. But I'm always making unique lineups. So I'm not like making 100 and then like, well, I'm also having them in Putting them. other contests. So it's always going to be unique. That's why my best lineup was competing in the $5 flea flicker. Right, which is which is a one hundred and fifty max five dollar, but the payout structure is stupid. I mean, like it's twenty five thousand a first, ten thousand a second, and by tenth place you're you know you have a bus ticket that they give you or something, yeah. <laughs> right? So I typically don't I don't play that many entries into that. Uh, so well, I always consider when I'm playing that set of lineups, like I'll hand build my single entry and three max stuff, so that I treat and typically it's a byproduct of my exposures in MMA anyway. So it's like I'm high on this game. Right, I'm it's right. going to be I mean it's going to be what are my top choices? That's going to be in my single entry 3 max builds. But my 150 or 100 or 120 whatever I play, I always play it's a, to me in my mind, mentality-wise, it's a set. I'm not playing one lineup, I'm playing a portfolio. So it's but, like I know uh it, playing 100 lineups that when my single entry build my my chief stack has Chris Godwin in it. He's my number he's my number one choice. I only have one lineup for the spy. So I have to choose a three plus one. I'm choosing. I'm choosing uh and I ended up choosing uh not Tyreek Hill. I ended up choosing Watkins wow. and Kelsey, right? And then playing Godwin there, and then playing Dalvin Cook in that lineup. And obviously that didn't get there. Uh because <laughs> I did the, But I did the opposite in, like, the power sweep. I did, okay, mm-hmm. I'm going to do Tyreek Hill and Watkins with Godwin and then play the cheap running backs, right? Mm-hmm. Do something like that in the power sweep. But, like, I have to make those choices in, in those contests because I only have one lineup. I only have three lineups. So, like, this is, if I'm going to choose, I'm choosing Godwin, right? And I may, I may play Antonio Brown in the $50, right, single entry. It's like, okay, I play Antonio Brown in that one. Uh, But in my 150 or 100, like, it's a block. It's a portfolio block. I know I'm burning lineups. Like, I know you, I'm coming in going out of this entire portfolio. I just need one. That's it. I just need one. If one comes in first place, who gives a fuck about the 140 whatever other entries? So I take a look at that and go, okay, I'm building a third of my lineups with chief stacks. So uh, th- 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 all those lineups are going to have Antonio Brown, one of the, one of the, one of the Buccaneers. I said, I'm not going to even, I'm, I'm not even going to bother. I'm just, whatever it picks, it picks as long as it gives me about an equal amount. So just like I had like 20% of each of the Bucks wide receivers. I had 8% Gronkowski. I'm like, whatever fits in. And then I'm also playing Brady stack. So I'm playing Brady three plus ones also. So it's now yeah. it's, it's putting those things together. Kelsey in lineups that don't have Gronkowski. Right, the lineups that have Gronkowski have Tyreek Hill because the tight end position. I'm not I'm not playing double tight end, so I'm able to make as many of those. I've just decided like 50 to 60 percent of my lineups are that, and then whatever fits in those lineups. Who gives a shit? Whatever running backs fit in, whatever other you know, whatever other things fit in based on the projections. Just give me whatever of that, and then I go to to stuff like the uh, other stacks that I have. And go okay. I'm gonna need. I'm gonna have play some Ryan stacks. It's like okay. Well, I'm only devoting a certain amount of money to that game, the the Raiders and mm-hmm. the and the Falcons game. Uh, I'm only devoting a certain amount of money to the Carolina Minnesota game. I had a ton of Robbie Anderson because I didn't want to play like Jefferson or Cook by themselves as much. So because right. because the field was. So I'm like okay. Yep. At least let me secondary correlate it to Robbie Anderson or Samuel or DJ Moore. And I also played some Bridgewater stacks, only a couple. But I view it as, like, I'm looking at my lineups as, like, yes, individual lineups I'm going through. Does this make sense? Does this make sense? Does this make sense? But all those lineups are are going into contests that have five-figure five entries, right? 10,000 plus, 50,000 plus, 100,000, 200,000 plus. So I'm viewing these as all large field GPP lineups. So this is like, you mm-hmm. know. Dollar in a dream. You know, like, okay, does this make sense? Do I have enough leverage? Is this a high enough median for this lineup? Okay, good. Move it to the side. Let's go to the next lineup. Let's go to the next. And then, then you look at the explosions and go, what's my diversification for all of this? So it's like, okay, I got enough of all these bucks wide receivers. If one of them fails, okay, then I burn a fifth of my lineups. Who gives a shit? I mean, they can still cash, I guess. But it's like, I know I'm burning lineups in order to get the one combination that I need. But it's not like I'm playing, like people have the... This notion that, oh, I'm playing a bit of everything, right? I'm playing this, I'm playing this game. I'm playing, you know, oh, I had some Kyler Murray stacks and I had some Cam Newton. Like, no, I just X out, I, I X out stuff. Like, if I don't want to devote any any part of my uh, portfolio to it, then, like, I didn't have any DeAndre Hopkins. I didn't see a need to have. What, I think in terms of, I only have a limited portfolio. I have a limited amount of money and lineups that I'm making. So how much, I I view the the players as stocks. So Mm -hmm. I go, if I want to play DeAndre Hopkins, that means I'm going to have to not play in that lineup. That lineup does not have Tyreek Hill in it, right? Do I want to give up more Tyreek Hill so I could fit in a Keenan Allen, a DeAndre Hopkins, like those level of wide receivers at the high end? I said, no, my strategy this late is to get as many Chief Bucks combinations as possible. So like, I had like three Keenan Allen lineups out of like 150 because he Mm -hmm. fit in. He just happened to, because I had Allen stats. I did have some Allen stats uh, and he fit into those, but he wasn't a one-off anywhere because I'm not going to waste. If I'm going to play a one-off, it's going to be Tyree Gill because I'm playing so much of that game. So I think in terms of a portfolio, I need to still go through each individual lineup. I still need to make sure. But when people ask questions like, how much of X guys should I have? Like an exposure? The exposure doesn't matter. The lineups matter first. And then once you're like, okay, I'm playing a whole bunch. Like even if you're just playing 20 max. Like a lot of people play 20 and go, how many quarterbacks do I need for 20 max? It's like, well, if I was playing 20 max, I would have had had 15 Mahomes lineups and 3 Brady lineups. Yeah, you would go and and then the two others would have been whoever I don't know who maybe maybe I would have decided to just do fifteen Mahomes and five Brady and just fuck it like I just don't even because I still have to make that that portfolio mentality of is there a point in me having one Derek Carr lineup and 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 having a Derek Carr Aguilar Waller Calvin Ridley lineup if like my strategy to slate is to just like I just need to get the right Bucks wide receiver right. Like now, I'm wasting a lineup on my overall strategy of like this could be another chief stack with uh with Godwin. This could or with Gronk or with or it, this could be a Brady lineup with Tyreek as a run back, and then instead of Naeem Himes, I'm playing Jordan Wilkins, and instead of Dalvin Cook, I'm playing Josh Jacobs, and I'm going, is that more worth it to me on this slate than playing some just another game like just something that's completely like just like okay why not I could just shove in some you know some cam Newton lineup with Jacoby myers it's like I I look at that and I go it's not it's not worth it it's like I I, I still I would rather have more of my Chiefs lineups than have those lineups so as I get to that point in my build when I'm playing hundred 150 I determined I got to the point where it's like I think out of my 150 I think I think 80's fine like, I mean, I, I got to the point where, like, I, th- I think I'm good. I think I'm good with 80 out of my uh, – more than half of my – and now I could start looking at other things. Now mm-hmm. I could start – now in those 80, I'm trying to mix in, like, yes, I have Naeem Hines, but not with Dalvin Cook. But in my non-Dalvin Cook lineups, I have Justin Jefferson, right? And I have Justin Jefferson, and I try to pair Justin Jefferson with Robbie Anderson in those lineups. So, like, mm-hmm. how many of those combinations can I make where I'm not just, like, it's the same lineup, but I'm just changing a defense? Like, that. now the lineups are way too correlated. Like, you can yeah. do that if that's your strategy. But I usually, I, I like, typically I set unique players at three. A lot of times when I make my builds. This past week, I set it for two. And now people ask in Discord all the time, well, what, what are your settings? So they look through. I, I have my yeah. videos up where, you know, I explain, you know, I won $50,000. Here's my stuff. And I get emails. I, I used your exact settings. And I'm like, why the fuck did you use my, like... <laughs> all the settings are there to do is to accomplish a goal that you're trying to make in your lineups. And it could, they could be completely different from slate to slate. So like right. my unique players was set at two when I'm making my builds only cause how much diversity am I going to need when I am knowingly going in saying, I want as many combinations of this cheap bucks games as possible. And the mm-hmm. only difference in these lineups could only be two players, a defense and a running back because look, I'm playing four guys from four, four out of the, players in my lineup are going to be from the same game. So like how much I don't want to have the same lineup with just a different defense. Yeah. But I also don't want to have unique player three or four where like it, it almost can't even give me 80, 80 out of 150. If I do that, because like how many combinations of that chiefs bucks game can there be? So that's why treating your multi-entry play as a portfolio is it. You have to know that you're burning lineups. Like you, you know, you. I know going in, I'm playing guys that are negatively correlated to one another, but they're just not in the same lineup, right? Like that's that's the like I mm-hmm. I would have no problem. I look down at my 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 exposures and go, yeah, I'll play some Austin Eckler, and I'll as a run back in my b- b- Bill stacks or Keenan Allen. But how many Bill stacks do I have? Not many. It's hence why I don't have much Eckler or Allen because it's like if I'm gonna fade that game, I'm gonna fade the game. I mean, it's just either it's yeah. gonna be in the Bill stack or I'm just they're not going to be one-offs, right? It's, I'm, I'm not going to see any of that. Uh, a guy like Ridley, I don't mind as a one-off as much, right? A guy like Cook or Jefferson on a condensed offense, I don't mind as a one-off as much. Brian Hill, I mean, I I tried to lower my exposure to him and play more, more Gallman, more James White. I thought James White as a one-off was perfectly fine. So to yep. play in that range, I played some Frank fucking Gore. Okay, because... <laughs> I still need it. If I'm playing t- tons of these chiefs buck stacks, I need salary relief. I mean, I'm playing, I'm playing what you described as the chalk construction, yeah. right? Uh, in my contest, in yep. your contest. Yep. It's still the chalk construction in my contest, but way lower owned. <laughs> yeah. Right. So it's, it's still chalk, but it's not like super chalk that I think still thinks it's under owned. So I need to find just a bunch of like 4k running backs. That's like, if someone, one of these guys falls in the end zone, gets 15 points. Right? I'm shoving in uh, mid-range running backs like Hunt and Ch- and uh, Jacobs and uh, James Robinson. So yep. that, like, the Jacksonville guys you talk about, like, I played Cole and Chenault. And you know how I played them? By just setting them basically at 20% and say whatever the, whatever the fuck you fit. Whatever happened. Right? I, I did that. Andy Isabella, I had, like, 5% of. I had Gabriel Davis, 10% of. It was – I don't uh, – in my single entry lineups, in my three max lineups, I played I play Cole. I mean, because he was the best projected one. and I think one maybe mm-hmm. I played Chenault instead because I needed the 300. Uh, but in my multi-entry build, my, my goal is to just uh, out of these guys, out of these 3K range guys, can I find the one that has 20 points? Yeah, I don't know which one it's going to be, but I, I'm playing my lineups as a portfolio. So if I was playing 20 Max, I would have just I would have done the same exact thing. I would have ended up with, like, probably Cole in six lineups, Chenault in four lineups, uh, Davis in four lineups, Isabella in two lineups. I mean, like, it would have just came out to the same kind of thing. But, like, I'm not even relying on making a choice. I'm just saying I'm going to need someone in this range, and whoever fits, he fits. If this is an Eckler lineup, then play Gabriel Davis. Is this yeah. a is this a James White lineup? Play Andy Isabella, right? Is this a... uh? I mean, who else was I talking about? I mean, Gallman, if I didn't have much of the Bengals, but like, is this a Giants DSD lineup? Play Wayne Gallman, right? Is is this a Jets D lineup? Play Frank Gore. I did stuff like that. I had Matt Breida also. So like Matt Breida, you know, is this a Denzel Mims lineup? He was down in that three K range.
1: Mims, yeah. Right? So I'm like,
0: okay, Breida, I didn't have much of Breida. I don't have that much of Mims. But when when you treat your, your play as a portfolio, like I I I've, I'm I've more I'm more of an option of uh, I'm still making choices. It's just it's going to be in comparison to the li- I I know I'm burning lineups, but it's easier to burn lineups like that when you have a very condensed strategy to begin with. Oh yeah, like it's much different than I'm going to go into this slate and I'm going to play twelve different stacks because now now your strategy now like well if you're going to play twelve different sta- stacks in a hundred lineups. Uh, maybe it's better to just say, plant your flag on either Cole or alt, and then play all of one and none of the other, right? Because you just, now you're making it, your, now you're, you're being very diverse, yes, if you play both of them. If you're playing a player pool of 120 players in, in 50 lineups, that you're extremely diverse. But, like, you have no distinct strategy for your portfolio then. Like, you're just, like, it's just dart throws at that point. So yep. that's why when I say on the lineup HQ vids that I do, like you have to devise your strategy in your head before you touch the optimizer, before you touch what you want to do, right? Sometimes you just go through and run defaults and just see, you know, what comes up more based on my projections. Okay, well, these stacks seem to come up more. And maybe the one that you thought was going to be a great stack, like it, it takes you, you have to pull, you have to you have beat up the optimizer and order to get like five of them out. And you're like, okay, maybe it's not that great of a play anymore based on my projections. Uh, but you have to do that beforehand. You have to think in terms of what do you want to do. I decided I'm going to go tons into that one game. So now all the settings in my optimizer and all the iterations that I did were, were built around that. So you can't just look at, if I showed you them, what, is, what, what does that do? That doesn't do you any good. Like it, it didn't. I'm producing the lineups that I want to produce. Why'd you put a difference between a 20 men and 24 men, and not 25 men? I'm like, I don't know because I, 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 it's easier to type in even numbers. I mean, like, there's no distinct reason other than at one point it was 26 percent, and I'm like, I'm trying to narrow the range. I'm trying to get the lineups I want, and I'm like, I need to narrow the range, so I still get enough, but not too much. And I don't want to put in, like, the exact amount because it's never going to be able to come out that way. But that's what I'm doing through it. What you're looking at is, like, the 50th iteration of me doing it, you know, and churning lineups out and then saving. Sometimes I'm saving some and go, okay, I have my mm-hmm. set of these and I have my set of those. And now I now I need more Mike Evans lineups, so I just lock Evans in and I just run. And I go, let me take a look. It's like, okay, give me this one, give me this one, give me this one, give me the, And then I save those. And then everything like the, the optimizer is a tool. It's not something that's making choices for you. So I know right. Eric, you you don't. You I mean, this is this is like foreign things to you because it's you It's you, definitely
1: you, a foreign language. Yeah. Right. I mean you
0: language. look at you look at lineup HQ, you look at projections, yeah. but I mean you're you're essentially hand building your lineups. Me, I'm even when I hand build my lineups, I'm using I'm pretty much using the op I'm using I'm looking for this stack. And r- let me run twenty with de- with this secondary correlation, and just say, okay, who the best? Okay, I guess I'm playing the Browns defense and Kareem Hunt in this lineup. Okay, okay, that that seems good enough to me. I, I look at the owners. Oh, okay, I'm good. But to me, we we're not do- we're not doing anything different from one another. It's just,
1: no, it's just, it's the same thing with a different tool. A right. different You know, you're 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 using a tool to massage what's in your brain and pull it out into this portfolio, like you said. And I'm using what's in my brain to. Click, click some buttons, right. To put, to, to put the players in. But I think, I think the really, uh, thing that stuck out just a ton to me when, when you were talking, it is how exactly if someone were to like come in and listen to this, they would think that we are like the most polar opposite players ever. Right. Because we're, we, we just talked about how we're playing different contests and, and the, the, the quote unquote right plays are, are basically polar opposites in, in those contests because the contests are so different. I'm playing one to five teams and you're playing, you know, 50 to 150 teams. And thus, you know, how you manage those teams is very different than how I manage those teams. So we couldn't really be much different in terms of ends of the spectrum, like as, as a DFS player. But it's the exact same thing. But, but we're doing literally the exact same thing. So you have to, that, that that coming in with a strategy thing, I think was so important. And it's like such a simple and probably obvious thing to to most people. But like, that's, so like, I didn't build it. Well, I mean, I had a dummy lineup, but like I didn't build anything this week until Sunday morning, like around when in that, and that's usually not what I do, but uh, until like inactives came out because it was such a weird week that I, 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 I wanted to kind of process everything and then come up with, you know, come up with my strategy as, as just information flew in throughout the week. So like, you know, Wednesday or Thursday, my strategy was very different than what my strategy ended up being on Sunday. But I came in and, you know, we, we've talked about this in the past too, right? There's there's tons of things you can do on a slate, right? If somebody wanted to say the Derek Carr stacks were the, their, their top priority, what we disagree, but that that's fine. That's your that's your top priority. You know, you I came in on Sunday, and and I you start to rack and stack all those all those different priorities, and I built like some chief stacks to see to see how it looked and to see and, and I there, it was impossible for me to build a team that I thought you know gave me the appropriate amount of of, of win equity in the contest that I was playing with a bunch of, you know, with, with a stack that let, let's say there's 500 people in, in the contest that I'm playing. Like when, a, a, what, a hundred, 150 of them have this same stack. It's like, you know, I, I'm only entering one team into this. You know, I, I'm not this, I'm not some crazy big high roller. Like I'm only entering one team into this and, and Yuda Yuta has 10 of this stack. <laughs> like, I'm just not going to beat him enough. You know, I'm not going to beat him plus all the other best players in the world enough trying to beat them with my one Mahomes Tyreek stack versus their 10 or whatever. So it's very, you know, and that's like I said, that's all the best players in the world. So I come in and that, that was kind of how I started to to think about things. And that's how I end, you know, end up on the Chargers and what however we, you know, we feel about that team. But then one thing that, that I did, um, you know, and it's very different for you, but kind of the same thing. Well, I, I prioritize that that Jaguars game because you know, and now Keelan Cole, you know, was the best projected player down there, and I was kind of kicking myself. For, you know, I, I'm kind of an, a little bit sometimes off off the board type of guy with with those punt wide receivers, but the 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 premise of the play I think was was fine. Where, like I said, you know earlier, I could not I could not get over like an entire offense's pass game. In in what is a a pretty good matchup actually, you know, a pretty good spot to have success. They're all minimum, like they were all minimum priced. And I loved Nick Chubb. so, So like Nick Chubb became, you know, one of my favorite plays. Him and Austin Eckler probably became like my favorite tournament plays. On the slate by by Sunday morning. Shout out to Ian Rappaport, by the way, for allowing Austin Eckler to be like a great tournament play. Him, these fucking reporters are. Why does anyone listen, listen to
0: that to guy? It? I mean, it's 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 so ridiculous. Jalen Hurts is going to see more stuff, too. Oh, my right. I mean, God. like that. Like to me, uh, the the only the only person that I, that I ever trust is Adam Schefter. Correct. And and typically he words his tweets in a way that he's very clear like there's no speculation like even sometimes like even the week before right Naeem Hines is going to get more of the workload like assuming they go with the hot hand like he doesn't he doesn't go he doesn't he doesn't expand upon yep. that so everyone reads that as oh I guess Naeem Hines is the lead back and not Jonathan Taylor and Jordan Wilkins it's like no 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 the, the, they said they're going with the hot hand and it just so happened last week Naeem was the hot hand so if they continue with the hot hand like dude like if you, you could, you could, if you, if it's you, amazing. I mean, I did this with the showdown slate yesterday. Uh, uh, Carson Wentz comes in 33% on the quarterback in a showdown slate quarterback in a showdown slate. It was unbelievable. And I, I, I played 30 lineups. I played him. in I think, I think in a hundred percent, I maybe, maybe not 28 out of 30. Cause I'm like, dude, are people really going to buy into this? It's, it's, it's Rappaport.
1: Like, that doesn't mean anything to to me. Right, it doesn't mean... Tuttle and I did the the showdown show, and that's what we were, like, you know, I'm trying to be, you know, peaceful on the, the corporate show, right? And I'm like, okay, I just wanted to see ownership and see if the general public is responding to this and Jimino sent, sent, sent me ownership in the morning and Wentz is like the sixth highest owned projected player and i was like you i'm like no i'm like, a, court, a quarterback against the Seahawks like I, it, it, maybe if it was like Mike Glennon against the Ravens right like you know or something like that i could be like okay people aren't going to play him i'm like you're not going to play Carson Carson Wentz against the Seahawks in a showdown slate like Jimmy Garoppolo is the highest owned quarterback on a main slate against against the Seahawks and nobody's playing Carson Wentz against the Seahawks because Ian Rappaport said Jalen Hurts might play a little. <laughs> like, like what? What the fuck are we doing here? Like, well, but the so, same thing so, with the Eckler. If you if you take it's He's a ris- it's, it's risk, it's risk, and it's no. it,
0: it could have blown up in your face. He could have had you know ten. 10- 10, 12 touches. It turns
1: out he yeah. had a career high in touches. Yeah, <laughs> He's not going to be the bell cow. And then he broke his career. He had touched the ball 30, 30 times. He led the team in targets. He had the most catches on the entire day. Right. I, I don't even think Tyreek had, uh, as many, you know, obviously Tyreek had a lot more points and yards, but like he caught 12 balls or whatever it was like, Oh yeah. He, you know that's the thing is so like all, 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 anyway, going back to like, I'm racking and stacking all of these things and, and like, that's what I'm thinking. Like, is the risk right? Of course there's risk. I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying like that, that report is like totally useless. It's a piece of data that you have to factor in. It's just, you have to, you personally have to decide how much to factor it in. And like, I factored it in and I was like, this, I mean, this, there's like a 1% chance this means anything. And Austin Eckler is $6,000 without, without Balage there in a, a spot I love. So like I, you start to create these priorities and I'm like, Austin Eckler is a priority to me. So, you know, and I had decided that Nick Chubb was was a priority to me. So those guys start to become priorities. And and like I said, that I factored in that Jags thing. So these are just all the decisions that I'm making in this one what's one solo lineup where I'm make I'm I'm, you know, trying to rack and stack these these priorities that you're, you're doing the exact same thing, just a little bit differently. Right. Cause you're massaging it out. Th- those priorities into, you know, your, your lineups and making sure that all those lineups make sense and your, your exposures are where you want them to be. Whereas I'm like, okay, here's my top 10 list. Let's start to do it. And then, and, and even then it's fluid, right? Okay. Like, t- like Tyreek Hill was high up on my priority list. Like, let's not, let's not kid ourselves. But like when you factor in the ownership and then you start to play around with the lineups, like you see, you know, a priorities change. It's like I, I did. I, I do want to say, take another step back. I, I I think my stubbornness on Tom Brady also hurt me a little. Possibly hurt me a little bit this week. Early in the week, I'm talking to, to some friends, and they were uh, talking about that they were going to play play Brady because of you know, okay, the Chiefs game is super popular, but I can just play Brady. Over over Mahomes with like whatever Godwin and Evans or Gronk or whatever you know like you did, and I'm I'm you know
0: partially you're done with yeah, Brady. I mean, you said no I'm Brady's so, I'm He's
1: so, done. I can't I can't I can't do it. And I was I, I, I'm I'm not taking a huge L yet because he was so goddamn bad in that game. Oh my god, he was bad. He's the reason why you're your, – all your chief stack like why you're not sitting here with a hundred thousand dollars was because Brady couldn't get the ball to your to to Godwin and your your Bucks. Um, yeah, but he still put
0: twenty six points. I mean, it, like, what else am I? I, I mean, know
1: I'm not arguing in the fantasy, fantasy result. wise. I'm he saying, was fine. I'm saying I sh- I was stubborn on how bad I believe that he is, and you know the fantasy result is all that really mattered. So I'm I'm taking an L on that thing. I'm not taking an L on Tom Brady being good because he's not good. That's just a fact. I don't care if they're but, good. What well,
0: Jameis but, Winston isn't good, and we played him all the time.
1: Whoa, whoa, Jameis is better better than Brady. Okay, let's <laughs> let's let's not bash let's not bash on Jameis. He he's the third string quarterback for the New Orleans for the New Orleans Saints now. But but this is like these are like the priority things that you have to set right. And like I, I'm admitting that 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 bias. Uh, we start talking about Brady and the dogs come around. Like, would you please stop talking about this washed this washed noodle arm? But you have to start setting those priorities. And that and that is like, I'm admitting put making Tom Brady a priority. And my one main <laughs> tournament team on this loaded slate is not a pro- it, it's not a priority for me. Whether that's bias, whether whatever, it is what it is. So you just start to make that list, and it's just doing the same thing you know a, a little bit differently right you're using lineup hq and massaging out all the thoughts that are in your brain and i'm like laying out my thoughts and playing around with them in a team I had it, you know taking this take, take okay put chubb in and then put the jags in and then start to fill in my stack okay no i can't like you said oh, i need the 300 so i let's just play chenault over over cole i would i wish i would have needed the 600 and i would have played colin johnson maybe i would have made some money uh but you know those different things the last thing i wanted to bring up that I think is a good subject to talk about. Is, so I played Gerald Everett at tight end. Because he didn't know he, about the Higby news, right? Because, because, and I think people would be like, you are a moron. What are you doing play, play, playing Gerald Everett? But it was, and, and like, I don't think it was some necessary thing, but it was an idea that I started to prioritize actually Sunday morning where everybody's playing Kelsey, right? Kelsey and maybe Waller, and then they're paying down for Rudolph. And I agree. I, I, I tried to play around with. I couldn't. I, I liked the Hunter Henry thing. Um, I, I just couldn't. It just didn't work. When I was, I couldn't make a team work that I that I accomplished all the goals that I wanted to accomplish. So I really got onto this this Rams thing because, you know, if if Gerald Everett, I'm, I was talking to Tambo, if Gerald Everett, like if we knew Tyler Higby was out, like Gerald Everett is what you know. Okay, maybe not Kelsey, but like the best or second best behind Kelsey, tight end play on the board. Like, he, people play in the cash. Uh, I, th- I don't I'd, know. I'd, I mean, I'd, you had Rudolph there at 2,800. Gerald Everett is a better fantasy play without Tyler Higby than Kyle, than uh, Kyle you Rudolph. You still got will, Woods and Top
0: there. You got Reynolds there. I mean, come on. He, he would project okay. I mean, he would he would still project okay. I, I get it. Uh, I get why you played Everett. And mm-hmm. obviously, you stayed with Everett because you had no optionality was- because he's the only goddamn spot left. So...
1: Yeah. Like I unless
0: to... you were going to go, I'm going to, um instead of playing ever, like you'd still rather play the second tight end for the Rams than play the second tight end for a who know for the, yeah. who are you going to play in that spot? I mean, that <laughs> there's no one else in the uh, three games that were left.
1: And I, I played around. With, that, that was another thing I played around with, uh, adding in some optionality and there really wasn't anything that get, you know, so the Jordan Reed was also questionable. So, you know, I, I don't love the Ross Dwelly thing either, but it, there there was potential for a strong tight end play to, to emerge there. And worst case scenario, you play Gerald Everett and, he, you know, he, he can find, get, get lucky and find the end zone. He, he's going to get three, four five targets regardless. So I, I, I was okay. Kind of taking that risk. And if it airballed, it, it airballed at, at, at 1%. So, uh, but that's just like a, a a thing that I like to do sometimes too much, but a thing that I like to do just because, you know, the ownership is so drastic. It's, it's a, especially strong in NBA, which I think we've talked, you know, we talked late swap a lot, but I think. um No, I do average, it. I do it. Dude,
0: I do it so much in NBA. Be, people look at my time. lineups and the results DB the next day. They don't realize that like that may not have even come close to what it started seven yeah. o'clock. A lot of times. Sometimes, sometimes depending on, on the early games, sometimes I'm punting completely and like, like I'm, I'm, and, or what I, what I like doing. And we'll talk about more about this during NBA season when it's more in, in our, in the top of our minds is that I will purposefully play like one-offs of the earlier games to find the outlier so I could just jam the shit out of whatever's late. Like, I'm just like, I like, you have like a Pacers game. You have something like, like Pacers, something. Pacers it's always the Pistons Pacers. So typically the Pacers something. start at seven, right? Pacers, it's like,
1: Pistons, Wizards. Yeah, right. They all start.
0: Pacers, Pistons. And it's like, no one is that like, no, there's no stream screaming value or anything. No one's going to be popular. But you're sitting there going, going, well, what happens if Brogdon puts up 50 today, right? Like, what happens if, uh, if Blake Griffin puts up 50 today? Like, they're, they're, they're going to be 3% owned. It's like, I'm playing 80 lineups. Why don't why don't I play them as a one-off in like in like five lineups just for 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 shit stakes? And I'll know. See the thing is, like, just like what we do with the NFL, like I'll know how to build those lineups in about 45 minutes. Yep. Like I'll I'll know what if Blake Griffin is going off, it's like, okay, who's the chalk? Jamming in. And if Blake Griffin just duds, I'll be like, okay, gotta get off the chalk for this lineup. It's not going to win a GPP, but let me get it into min cash range. Like mm-hmm. I could do that much more in NBA, especially in NBA with the late news. We have Q tags on everyone and it, like, we're not going to, the nuggets, who knows? Oh, at nine o'clock, we'll find out about the, if, uh, if Jamal Murray's playing right. And then at, then we have the warriors. It's like, Oh, half their team may be sitting at 10. So we don't know. We, we may have $3,400 guys that we could play. Uh, <laughs> it's not a matter of punting. It's also like, I think too many people sometimes look for, okay, well I'll, I'll hold out. And it's like, that also sometimes makes the early game ownership really low. Mm -hmm. So like, I'm like, why not, why not? Hey, the Pistons are playing the, the Pacers. Why don't I, why don't I stack it? Why don't I play three guys from this game? And maybe, I mean, a lot of times the first game is the Wizards game. And that's like, like for, for NBA DFS, yeah. the Wizards are like typically the most popular uh, oh, DFS yeah. team. Like people, we probably watch more Wizards games than any other games because those Wizards and Rockets, like the games where the totals are always like so stupid because no team <laughs> plays defense. And then someone's always out. So you're playing like a 4,500 Jordan McRae in your lineup. And you're like, OK, I don't know if this is a good idea that, that Thomas Bryan is underpriced and you're sitting there going, why, you know, why do I have the, such the shittiest teams in my lineups? <laughs> but I mean, but you do it in NFL. Like NFL, there's just one time. Like mm-hmm. you have the early games. And I know that you have the difference between the 405 and the 425. But that doesn't make that much of a difference. In NBA, you, have, you, have, you could have two games start at 7. One game start at 7.30. Three games start at 8. Two games start at 8.30. You know, three games start at 9 30 and three games start at 10 and 10 30. That there's enough of a space in between games, especially some of the news you may not even get till a half an hour before tip-off
1: that or less. Or less. Yeah. Right.
0: Or, le- or really or even less. That you now have all these mini points of late swap. Of like, and then you have to plan out it even in advance. Like a lot of times in NBA, uh like you you didn't have that option here with Gerald Everett, because he's the right. only spot left in your lineup. And your lineup at as of this point with the eleven point two Dalvin Cook and a sixteen point snowflake Keenan Allen, like you wouldn't play Kelsey in this lineup to begin with. I mean, like, right. Like you would have to make it up. So having a one percent on general Leverett is fine, and then fuck it. That's well, you that would be optimal to begin with, regardless mm-hmm. if B was in or not. But in NBA, NBA, you have uh, I mean, you have to think in terms of okay, uh, at nine o'clock we should get the news of Jamal Murray's in. And if Jamal Murray is out and I'm going to play Monty Morris, how does that affect the lineups? Can, now I could fit in LeBron in the late game in yep. a small yep. forward spot. Okay, so now I I need to make sure I have small forward spots open so I could do, so I can make that switch. And then if Jamal Murray's in, that means do I plan for him to be in? Do I plan for him to be out and switch otherwise? Cuz that's another thing that like which one is going to be easier to do? But that's all based around what games are on from that point forward. So I could think of worst case scenarios. Cause if I like if I shove in a 3K Monty Morris as my, you know, Jamal Murray is out and I play that as default, to switch off of that I have to go like how many pivots do how many spots of optionality do I have in my lineups? I don't want to be sitting there with a Monty Morris one off and, and all eight other players already went. So now I'm just sitting there with like, I I guess I'm just going to play him because there's nowhere else to go. But if I'm building, let's say with the, in in the mindset that Jamal Murray is in and I'm like, okay, if he's not and now, I'm able to move down some guards from, I'm playing a bunch of seven K guards. Well, now I can move it down to a three K guard. I have four K left. Where can that go? Well, that could go to Anthony Davis. I look at the Lakers game in the late game. I like a look at, uh, well, that could go to, uh, to, to Nikola Jokic. Because if Murray's in, Jokic is, and then and, and there could be another center on the slate that's popular, I'd be like, well, the lo- Jokic gives me leverage now. Because cause now people are going to be off the Nuggets game, because Murray's, mm-hmm. you know, now now the rotation's normal, and Jokic is 9,700. It's not like he's that great of a deal, but he could always get 70 points in any game. So I'm looking at that that. But if I'm using a lot of players from the early games, it gives me less and less options to make those things. So you think in the same way that I do, you're doing it with one to three lineups, right? I'm doing it with right. like a hundred lineups. So like, <laughs> I, don't, I really I, need I don't to know how you do that. Yeah. Well, that that's, that's a skill. People don't, don't yeah. understand how, how much of a skill that actually is. Uh, but you're doing the same thing of like, okay, if Jamal Murray is out, I could then switch to X, Y, and Z. And like, that's mm. great. If he's in, I'd still like my lineup the way it is. But in the 10 30 game, like if it t- if it turns out that uh, uh, Rondo is gonna be out, maybe I maybe I take a shot on Alex Caruso, like and that's the spot. Like I'll do the same swap swap I would have done if Monty Morris was in, and now I'm gonna do that instead. Especially if my lineups aren't performing well. Like you have to think in in yeah. how is this night going to play out, and that's why I like truthfully with late swap and NBA, like it's it's it is the sharpest. If you're if you if you if you're gonna be around from seven till whatever, like that, there's no bigger edge, really, than doing those things in all of,
1: in in all of the in, in all of, of DFS.
0: DFS. That's why even on the D, on the DK committee, when they came back two years ago, and they were deciding whether or not they're gonna bring back late swap, because then DK turned mm-hmm. it off, and then FanDuel kind of did the lowest score thing, whatever. Uh, I was I was adamant adamant, is that a word? Adamant, uh, that <laughs> that they were, they remove late swap for NBA. I was at, I was outside, said it should lock at seven o'clock and that's it. And we're done. Said not because of family time, not because of that type of stuff is that I know how much of an edge it is. And for the, for the sake of the ecosystem, like, yes, the amount of times that your player gets scratched and you lose, like you're making it, you, you, there's, you're losing so much edge in not late swapping. The problem is that casual people don't understand that. So the casual people would rather have late swap for the, for the couple of times a year that their Jimmy Butler's uh, announced out five minutes before, you know, the game locks. They don't realize that they're probably bleeding 10 to 15% of their bankrolls just in NBA contest of sharp players using, like, I know, I know this. That's why I, that's why I'm like that. There should be no late swap. Like I know mm. what I know what I do between seven and eleven <laughs> o'clock at night. Like Same. there should be when when you see you know when when one team's you know main guy is out. Like we've had that time with like the Warriors last year. I remember one time where it was like we didn't know and then like D'Angelo Russell and Draymond like everyone was out. And I'm like I just basically went into the entries manager and lineup HQ, and I was like. Whatever I got, I'm just adding all the warriors and just I literally tell lineup HQ, I want if I want to prioritize a warrior in every spot if possible. Just like like gimme cause they're all like Jordan Poole is thirty two hundred and, and 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 Kai Bowman is three fat like they're all minimum price. And, Juan, Toscano, Anderson. Right. Yeah,
1: all, those are the good
0: days. Yeah. Right. They're going to play a seven-man rotation, and no player on their team is more than 4,200. Like, even <laughs> if they score 80 points this game, like, they're all going to have flame emojis. So, like, I'm just, like, yes. who cares who's in the lake? Who cares who's in my lineups? Just give me it all. Like, those are the only guys I want. Just jam them in as much as possible. But then you take a look at the ownership in that 10-30 game, and you still see, like, Kai Bowman at 6%. Like, yeah, yeah, he originally was, like, 0.1%, but, like, if you knew this at 7 o'clock, like, he would be, like, 70% owned. Like, these guys would be, like, like the chalk of chalk, and then, like, LeBron and AD in the late game would be also the chalk of chalk. Right. But now, since I left myself optionality in order to look for those situations, now I have Kai Bowman and AD in my lineup. Now I have LeBron and whoever and and uh, the, the, the Pas- Eric Pascal, Pascal right or some or some bullshit, uh, and some. But some of these things you could predict. Sometimes you can't. Sometimes it's just like all of a sudden at nine thirty, uh, this guy's out, and it's like okay, well that you just have to react to. But a lot of times you get you know the Q tags earlier in the day, and mm-hmm. you don't even know, and you just go well, I'm is is it hot? Is it do I have Higher expected value taking the chance for the late swap. Or it would it be better, like especially on the slates where you have that wizards game and you know people are that's the chalk game. The seven o'clock game is the chalk game. Like I like doing it then, where the early game is the chalk game, because then if the late news hits, none of those lineups can could do anything about it. like you mm-hmm. you've used it, you've used up spots, you can't play the cheap center that's going to be in that game. Cause you've already used your center spot and your, and your utility spot. So like you're, you're done. So I'm much more likely to do it then than do it in the case where one of the later games, you know, the trailblazers, you know, you know, the uh, Lillard's out and McCollum's 5,800, you know, like one of those types of games. And then not uh, obviously we're playing like, Oh, well, Melo's 4,200 and oh that sucks, but we're going <laughs> to play him. You know, because that now, now people have the now, now there's a lot more option. Those are the slates I try to do the other way. So Mm -hmm. I know we we're going to be talking about all the sports. So like, if people are like, "Oh, I don't play NBA DFS," it's like DFS is DFS regardless. So the concept of what you did with Everett is that's why you brought up NBA because it makes it happens so often in NBA and not so much in NFL.
1: But I think that the the premise is that um and i think that's also been like growth in in my game. I know it's less it's it's less impactful and it's less likely to to occur in NFL, but even what a couple of weeks ago, um i, I also think, you know, this year in NFL, i, I don't think we should take anything for granted <laughs> amidst the pandemic with Guys, testing. You know, I know COVID doesn't exist on game days in the NFL, but other than that, you know, we, we don't really know what the hell's going on with all these teams day to day. Quarterback rooms are getting <laughs> every quarterback for teams are getting ruled out. Like it's a shit. Sh- I mean, it's an absolute shit show in the NFL. So I so I think you know this specific scenario that I'm talking about isn't necessarily like capitalizing on that anarchy, but it has you know just optionality in general, planning for all this kind of stuff. Right. Like it's easier to kind of explain and understand how it works in in the NBA. But even like a couple of weeks ago with the Dolphins. Right. Uh, Salvan Ahmed randomly comes comes into play like no one has any expectation that he's even a thing. Most people probably don't even know who he is. And he's a four thousand dollar running back that all of a sudden, you know, due to some late news is one of the better plays on on the slate and you know, that's a rare nfl example the more likely nfl example is like the gerald Everett thing, where tyler higby is a true game time decision we have no idea if he's going to play so like you said you're balancing what what's my expected value on and versus the probability of him um you know and what's my downside too depending on you know h- how you play or what contest you're what's the da- you know if gerald everett is not going to play if tyler higby uh is active there's a it's a very i'm handling it very differently than if like he's still going to play fifty percent of the snaps, so whatever the risk wasn't wasn't really that high, right? But like if like, you're, if you're
0: just, going for a quarterback, like if it's a type of thing yeah, where it's yeah. like like Jimmy G is questionable, it could be Nick Mullins. Like it, the court, the opportunity cost at, at, at quarterback is so high that yeah. like you you ain't going. oh, I'm going to plug in Nick Mullins is forty six hundred. I'm going to plug him in and I'll wait. It's like no 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 like. Don't don't base quarterback decisions based on that. Like also you also don't understand that the offense is the offense, and like the difference between Jeremy G and Nick Mullins ain't ain't, I mean, who cares? I mean, I don't know who Derek Carr's backup is. I don't know who the the Raiders backup is, but
1: like I think it's Nathan. I think it's Nathan. Oh Peterman.
0: Peterman. Oh, okay. Maybe you don't play him. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) Right. At 4K, maybe you touched, you know. No, I did. He made – I mean, the Broncos may not even want him, even if there's no yeah. quarterbacks.
1: They would have, yeah, they would have left him, they would have left him play, play quarterback over, over Peterman. But no, I think this is like my favorite type discussion, though. Um, you know, we, we talk a lot of the different kind of tournament strategies and all of that. But I think, you know, you, you said it and we, we've, we've said it just now that like this idea of late swap and, and not just late swap. I, I think people, We might've talked about this too, but like people think about it from NBA, like, Oh shit, Jimmy Butler. We had no idea he wasn't going to play and five minutes before lock he's out right up back spasm. He's out. People think about it that way. Like, Oh, it gives me the ability to swap somebody. in when some, some surprise happens, like I don't really give a shit about that. Like that it, 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 it happens, but it's so much more rare than people than people actually think that it is. And like, whatever we'll figure it like i'll figure it out by then and, and even if we didn't have late swap i'll just lose like if i if i was playing him that's it's fine like it doesn't matter i'll lose that night i was probably going to lose anyway so uh, it really doesn't matter but the advantage is to planning all these like scenarios out in your head right like you said jamal murray if jamal murray is in or out it like and and crafting your teams both ways right okay Like you said, here's what, here's what, if Jamal Murray is in, here's kind of what I want to do. But if Jamal Murray is out, here's what I want to do. But also I have to react to, okay. Yeah. Have I had anybody lock? How much optionality do I need? Right. Like, you know, do, do I need like a bunch of optionality because I need a point guard spot open and I need utility and I need, there's so many variables to it. It's like I said, it's, it's more applicable to NBA, but I do think it's applicable to other sports and I think People don't use it enough. So I try to go like with the Gerald, everything, it's not perfect apples to apples, but I am trying to go out of my way, not go out of my way. I am trying to think, be thoughtful about scenarios like that, where I could benefit from, from this type of late, this type of late news in all sports, you know? So baseball, let's, let's use baseball. If the Dodgers lineup isn't out, Right. So it's a different – it's a little bit different. But the, it's not that I don't know who is hurt or whatever. But I don't know who's playing because I don't have a lineup, right? Will Smith versus Austin Barnes or is Kike Hernandez in the lineup or is Jock Peterson? Whatever. Not having that lineup plummets their ownership because you, you, you got the Yankees and the Red Sox and, and the Blue Jays and all this stuff happening, happening early. So th- they may be my third favorite stack. But having that optionality to be able to – oh, shit. Now I get – I get Austin Barnes. You know, I might be able to get Austin Barnes at twenty four hundred instead of Will Smith at forty five hundred in my lineup, and that gives me the. And then there's Kershaw's pitching or whatever. So you know that having that, oh now I can get Kershaw in easier, or now I can get Verlander in easier or whatever. Because you'll you know say say there's a eight o'clock game and then the the Dodgers are late. You'll get you'll get it early enough, usually for like the second wave of games. So just all those different little things, I think, you know picking, picking players and even just like, you know, roster construction and all that, you know, picking players, I don't give a shit about, but like roster construction and and game theory and stuff is, is super, super important. But I think the, the skill um, that has become maybe the, the most impactful, at least for me, and maybe across the entire industry for, for good players is this kind of late swap, but like thoughtful late swapping, right? Planning around different scenarios that, that may or may not happen. And, and, uh, I think you talked about it a few episodes ago. Like, I don't know what it maybe works 30% of the time, 10% of the time, 20. I, I don't know. It doesn't work that much, but like when it does it, you, you win. like you win all, all of the money, right? You, you win know? all of it. I mean, like you, you yeah, end really up with a 4% on guy that, that should have been
0: 64%. All, I mean, like you end up with guys that like, uh, you, you do it with rainouts. Like rain chances in in baseball, you know how many times I play the game that everyone's like it's most likely not going to play, and I go well. What time is the game? It's like well, it's eight fifteen. It's like well, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a couple of lineups stacking and playing playing the Indians because mm-hmm. like their ownership is gonna go down. But like it's yeah, it's a 50-50 chance that it gets that it gets postponed. But I mean, no one's gonna people are gonna look at that game going. There's other places to play. I'm like well, what happens if that game plays and the Indians go up for fourteen runs? Like they're yeah, going to be, they're going to be no owned. They're going to barely be any yeah. owned. And especially if they're, if they're not at the very beginning of a slate, I'm able to assess my risk now from stuff mm-hmm. that is, it's, it comes down to having more information helps you. It gives, makes you a lot. We, we say this and look at, look at uh, football analytics. When people say about going for two, you know when you're down 14, right? Yeah. you down. They go, "Well, you want to know how many scores you're down by. You want to know whether or not you need to make the two-point conversion." It's the same exact thing in DFS of okay, in whatever slate, baseball, basketball, whatever, that if in the, if the difference between the 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 ROI that you'd get, the EV you'd get from it. Like I'm not I'm not uh, I'm not vomit stacking the, the rain out game, right? The potential rain, like, it's yeah. not like, oh, well, the Pirates are are, are cheap Shh. as hell and the game may get rain. Like, no, it's it's when there's a good team. When, mm-hmm. you know, when the, the Red Sox are facing the garbage pitcher at, at Fenway and it's like, well, storms brewing up in Boston. And I'm like, dude, the Red Sox is about 15 runs here if this game plays and people are, are getting off of it. And, you know, then it's, it's plummeting. Now, the Red Sox are typically going to play at 7 o'clock. But, I mean, I'm talking about like when we used to have games in Texas because now now that stadium's a little bit different. Uh, when you have games at like 9 o'clock Eastern, and I'll know how the Yankees chalk did because they play at 7.05. Right. So it's like, okay, I'm going to take a chance on this 9 o'clock game not getting rained out. But I could always late swap before then, right? It could get PPD'd at, at an hour before. So I, I know I need to obviously change those lineups but I'll also know how well the Yankees did by then. And if I see in my lineups that, you know, Oh, the Yankees put up 15 runs and, you know, Aaron judge is 38% toned and, and crushed like now, now, now I'm now like, how do I save my lineups now to min cash? And, and if I know that the Yankees, you know, put up zero runs now, I know how to build my lineups. Again, it's the same thing when I said with that Pacers Pistons example of, yeah, I, you could do it in reverse of playing the low owned guy from the early game and go, well, depending on how he does, that'll determine the rest of my lineup. And, and especially, yeah. I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm working this out amongst five, 50, you know, 100 lineups. But especially if you're doing like one to three, three to five, like you can feel free to say in five lineups, I'm going to take I'm going to take a shot on one of the early players and then still have a, a lineup. You, you build a lineup at seven o'clock that you like. They like okay if I if this is the what it is for the entire slate that's perfectly fine with that low owned player from the early game, but then once that player does well or doesn't do well, you have to, you have to like I think it all comes down to starting with a strategy. Many people don't start with any strategy. I answer yeah. so many questions where there's no that there, no one starts with any just with the I have a whole bunch of players I want to play and, and how many of them should I play. Or this guy over that guy, right? It's like, but no one starts with a strategy. No one starts with a, I don't know what players I'm playing, but I know how I'm approaching this slate. Because it's mm-hmm. a, so much more of an abstract concept. Like, without, that's why, that's why, theoryofdfs.com, get, get the masterclass. It'll teach you to think like that. Where well, you're not thinking in terms of players, you're thinking in terms of lineups. The lineups could have who knows who the fuck players in it. But you're entering the slate with a strategy of, okay, I'm, tar- I'm going to target this game. I think this game is going to go under-owned. I'm going to stack it, right? In baseball, it will be five, five players from a, from a team. In basketball, maybe you're playing two from one side, one from the other side. In football, you'd be doing something like two plus one, three plus one, something like that. It's still the same thing regardless of the sport. Mm-hmm. But you're going like, okay, this is what I'm targeting. Like what fits into these types of lineups? How much leverage do I need in these types of lineups? What, what correlates, what secondary correlations can I make in these lineups? And then you build a lineup like that, but then you could also look in terms of, well, this game's on at this time. And that game's on at this time. What information will I get at seven? Like on an NBA slate, you could even itemize it by half an hour by what do I get at seven thirty? What do I get at eight? What do I get at eight 30? Well, by eight o'clock, the halftime of the wizards game will be done. I'll, I'll know whether or not like Bradley Beal already has like fucking 45 points already. Like <laughs> now I could, now at that point, I'm thinking about what should I do in my Beal lineups? What should I do in my non-Beal right. lineups? Cause you you you've identified a player that's most likely going to appear on the GPP winning lineup. It's one of those, those, those slate breaker. Like this guy is most likely going to be a slate breaker. How owned is he? Is he 2% owned? Well, I don't have to be worried about as much, right? If he's 42% owned, I, yes, then I do. <laughs> but then at that point, then at now at eight o'clock, I have to think about how do I make those lineups now? It's like, I already made those lineups an hour ago, but now I have to rethink, I have new information. Let me take a look at my Bradley Beal lineups. And I go, well, now that I, if I already got, he's he's on his on pace for a 60 plus point game, at at, at 8500, like, do I need to fade the cheap value chalk in the late game in this lineup? Because he's seven percent. Beal is seven percent owned, and I have like the nuts. It's like no, let me get the let me get the highest rejected plays in there. And then at 8, eight nine o'clock, you start getting more information. You, oh, the 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 cheap chalk center fouled out. You know, got into foul trouble early, and you're seeing snowflakes in people's lineups, and you may have a bunch of that guy. So now you're looking going, okay, let me take a look. I hope I don't have Beal in those lineups also, right? Because now you don't want the snowflake together. So you go, how do I build those lineups now? How do I build these lineups now? So you're constantly thinking in terms of how do you build lineups because you already have. Imagine starting the slate, this NFL slate, this past NFL slate, and I told you, Tyreek Hill has 60 points. How would you build those lineups? Like, obviously, you didn't have that information at 4 o'clock, but at at, let's Mm -hmm. say at— At 4 o'clock, you had the information that Dalvin Cook had 11.2 points. Let's say I told you you were stuck with him. Okay? So you didn't have the option at 1 o'clock. Like, at 1 o'clock, I'm going to force-feed you Dalvin Cook, and I'm going to tell you he has 11 points. How do you build that lineup? Well, you you would think in terms of, well, if Dalvin Cook didn't do well, most likely none of the Panthers did well, right? So you look around there going, he's also very highly owned, so... Maybe I shouldn't play Naheem Hines in this lineup also because now I need to find leverage somewhere. And maybe I need to take out take out uh, Ted Kelsey and play a cheap tight end. Maybe, maybe I'm maybe I'm playing uh Trey Burton, right? Maybe I need to go down to <sharp inhale> there. Maybe I'm playing Trey Burton on one side and AJ Brown on the other side. But like you're thinking in terms of lineups now because you already have information that a chalk player in your lineup has has so yep. now you're now all your decisions are different. So why aren't you doing that when you have the information and have the ability to make some amount of decisions? So obviously if you played all the early players, you do have nothing. You have no, you have no optionality you have nothing. But when you're thinking in terms of lineups, not players and you're starting with a strategy, that strategy can include what do I do at four o'clock? What do I do before the four o'clock games in my lineups? In NBA, what do I do at 7.30? What do I do at 8 o'clock? What do I do at 8.30? What do I do at baseball? What do I do at 7? What do I do at 8? What do I do at 9? What do I do? The Diamondbacks game is at 9.40. What do I do for, like, what happens if Castro's not in and Josh Rojas is in? And, like, you know, and what do I do there? Because I don't have the lineup. Like, it's all part of the game. To me, those are those are actually more important things to think
1: about than who you're going to play hundred percent. It's my, it's, I, I, and I love, like, it's even evolved f- for me and, and maybe even for you too. Like, it was something I knew, I, like, like you said, I knew how impactful it was. It, it's the only reason, uh, you know, people talk about NBA and I'm, I'm so excited for the NBA, maybe because my NFL season has been shit, but I'm so excited for the NBA and I think it has a lot to do with what, with what we just talked about. So if we, if we go back maybe five years, I was, I was a winning NBA DFS player. And then there was probably like two years. It might have been when we got rid of late swap that I, I don't, and I didn't realize that that had such an impact. But I got I, then I started to get crushed in NBA for probably multiple seasons, and then like I started to kind of evolve my game. And it's so much patterned around everything we we have just talked about that, and not not just like this optionality, but the idea of of getting the most information possible. And like you said, sometimes that is it's just so slate dependent, right? Sometimes it is stacked at Wizards game because maybe people aren't aren't doing that. And now I just got a last little 2v2 that maybe has the chalk or maybe doesn't have the chalk, right? Maybe it maybe it has that chalky Warriors player. But if you know if the stack doesn't go off, it doesn't have that. So all of that, like I started to to kind of figure figure some of that, like I'm I'm certainly not the world's you know greatest NBA player, but I think I started to really put some of these things into practice and just learn the real power that they had. And I I think even sometimes, you know, in NFL they have a lot more power. You know, and, and we talked about MLB in all of these sports, because we are playing this game against other people, it has so much more power even than I think I think about. Like right, like we talk about this all these sports have so much more variance than than even we think, and we think that they have more variance than everybody does. But I think that this specific subject, you know, this this concept of getting more information, has so much more power even than 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 I will will like use. Um, right, a lot, I to be, uh, a lot of times I'm lazy. A lot of times I will look yeah. at a lineup and go, I think I'm fine.
0: Uh, I go, yep. uh, uh, this one. Uh, I think I'm fine, and and don't really even put as much thought. I put more thought than more pe- than most people. Yes. And even sometimes I feel like I'm slacking by going, going. Yeah, I know Dalvin Cook's in this lineup. Uh, should I should I take Tyreek Hill out of this? Like, like now, nah, just let her, Like, what else am I gonna do? Like, I'm. They're the <laughs> high ceiling play. Like you have the late, especially this past slate, right? What am I gonna do? Yeah. The New Orleans did that game. I mean. I mean, the San Francisco Rams game, I mean, yes. I'm like, okay, I'm going to take out, because uh, uh, I didn't play double tight end, so I have Kelsey in spots. I'm like, like who the fuck am I playing other than right. like, here? And then you take a look and you go, uh, well, instead of playing Tyreek Hill, I'm going to play Cooper Cup. And you're like, like, okay, well, I guess I can play Cooper Cup. And then I switch around. Then then what, what do I play in the Godwin spot? Uh, yeah. Debo Samuel, I mean, I I yeah, I can do that, but I look through, it's like, how many lineups am I going to do this to? Like, am I going to leave 2,000 on the table and not play? Like, like I didn't think Tyreek Hill and Kirst Godwin were owned enough anyway. So it's like, what was the mm-hmm. point? Like, but even then, I'm like poo-pooing. Like, I don't think I have to make as many late swaps as I need. <laughs> yeah. And I do that in basketball also. I go, go and look, it's like, eh, it's not that big of a deal. Like, I could switch out a couple of these guys, but eh. I think it's I think it's a 50 50 type of thing, and most likely mm-hmm. it's probably not It most likely i'm actually i'm actually I'm actually contemplating the right thing and not understanding that I'm actually gaining so much more EV by swapping yes. rather than going with the hot like the the, the 2 v2 two swap has like a projection difference of like two and a half and I'm like should I, should I be willing to give up two and a half median points in order to do this late swap? when the ownership difference doesn't, it doesn't seem all that dramatic. Cause I mean, you're just going over projected ownership because you don't know their mm-hmm. ownership. And then you, then you go and like you were off in ownership by like just 5% in one direction. And you go, well, then it makes it more of like a 53, 47 decision to swap. And over the long run, if I make more of those, I make more money. So, Yeah, and sometimes it just comes down to laziness. Sometimes it just comes down to like, Mm -hmm. I don't think it's worth swapping. I just, I just, do I really want to upload my CSV again and possibly have an error (laughs) and end up getting like, I end up having you know, uh, you know, some, I end up having uh, the who, that Zach Collins in eighty five percent of my lineup for no apparent reason, right? Some cheap guy that projects well that never gets there, you know, they get sixteen points. It doesn't help you win a GBP. You're like, if I do this wrong, it's just going to jam in Zach Collins, and then you're looking and then late swap. Like, sometimes you're making these decisions and, like, the game starts at 8.30 and it's 8.27 and you're still futzing around with lineup HQ. And you're like, sometimes you're like, I'm just going to run it. Whatever comes up next, that's what I'm uploading. And I don't, sometimes that's Zach Collins 90%. And you go, why the fuck is he in all my lineups? Like, (laughs) so sometimes you think you project, like, do I want to go through that? Is it worth me going through that? And I go, I don't think so. But maybe, maybe it should be more worth it that to go through those things, especially in NBA, uh, especially when even in 2020, we're going to be coming up to 2021, the field still doesn't do it, I mean, remotely enough. I mean, we talk about the field doesn't stack enough in sports, which is true. They, they don't. When people's like, oh, everyone stacks. shouldn't I play an uncorrelated lineup? Like, no, 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 no. It's like, the field still the, overwhelmingly does not stack enough. Uh, yep. but the, you compare that to late swap and it's like night and day. Like the, I mean, I think the stats, uh, that, I mean, they may be proprietary Bales has said, has said so that like 99 plus percent of users on DraftKings have never swapped out a player after lock ever, like ever, ever. Okay. And that That's seems so like insane. ridiculous to me and you. Yeah. And to most play, I mean that even for a, even for a scratch, even for like, oh, this guy's in it. Like, no, still 99 plus percent of users don't do it. So it may sound like we're harping on the thing, but the value if, of having that new information and doing and 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 starting with the strategy, like I think what we're talking about is not just like, oh, oh yes, I know. We all know Late Swap is powerful. Oh, yippee doo da day Anyone that's listening to this podcast probably knows that already, right? We have smart listeners and smart viewers. Mm-hmm. I think- the, what's what is less utilized is starting out thinking about that before you even build your lineups, where mm-hmm. you start with that strategy not the strategy of late swapping, but just it's a one more variable that you put in going, Okay, I'm gonna build my lineup, it's a baseball slate, I'm gonna stack five, stack this guy, this team, I'm gonna play these five pitchers, and like that's what most people do. And then go, like, well, okay, if if I'm if my pitcher bombs or, you know, if my cheap pitcher does well in the early game, I'm gonna switch over to the Dodgers stack in this lineup. Right? Like, but now we're starting talking about coming up with that strategy like before that even fucking happens. Right? Mm-hmm. Like you you go in going, I'm building this lineup with this core stack, right? The core and it's they're expensive. And it has two cheap pitchers in it. And it's like, well, if these if if these two cheap pitchers are doing well like the chalk cores stack is is good but let's say one of the cheap pitchers gets a negative three like well the dodgers play at ten ten right the good course field plays at eight forty so like this seven o'clock pitcher if i know is not going to do well I have to plan this lineup and then you put in the course if you're especially if you're doing like a hand build you'll put in the lineup and you'll go well how easy it is how do I stack cores in a way that I could easily switch it to the Dodgers? So that positions, like if you go through the positions and you go, well, I'm going to need two outfield spots, so I'm going to play Dahl and Blackman, and I'm going to fade Arenado and play Story instead because at third base, I could play Justin Turner. Like you're, you're, you're already thinking <laughs> of that. Like beforehand going, if this cheap pitcher bombs... I have to switch this over to a Dodgers stack and what positions make sense in that stack. Maybe you play Arenado over Story because uh, Chris Taylor is expected to be in the lineup and he's shortstop eligible and he's 3,700 and that now makes everything fit. Like, no one. Like, I mean, people do. But, I mean, but you know how few people actually think in terms of, like, at 6.30 before the slate going... Like, what are my late swap options going to be? And I need to even build my lineups around them before they even happen? Like, it, it's... But why wouldn't you be thinking that way? Because yeah. if you're thinking in terms of lineups, you have to think in terms of, I'm going to know more information at 8 o'clock and how does this turn around? You don't want to be stuck in a position where it's like, okay, I'm just going to switch. Because let's say you you have that situation. I'm going to switch my core Rocky stacks to a Dodgers stack at 8.30. And I'll know about the cheap pitcher. And then you go do that. And you realize that you don't have enough salary for like, like you didn't leave. You, you used a first base position in an early game. And like, now you can't play Bellinger. And now, now you're moving and like, Oh, this stack doesn't make any sense now. Now it's like, well, how do I switch that? Who else do you switch it? To? You have all the salary now. And you're like, what am I supposed to do? Pivot to the giants and leave the uh, 7,000 on the table. Do I play the core stack? I mean, you can, I mean, obviously it's still better than doing nothing. But I think pre-planning beforehand, to some extent, I think this is more conducive to your style of play when you're yeah. you're only managing three lineups, yes.
1: less so than a right.
0: hundred lineups. But a lot of, a lot of people out there only play one to three lineups, and I think it may even be more beneficial for the players that do play single entry and three max more so. Like the, my my multi lg builds, I'll I'll figure out a way. Right, there's always a way. It, I have a tool that at a hundred lineups at a time, I could just like try to jam these players in. Let, let me see what happens. And I could see I'm getting 0% this guy because obviously I don't have a spot. And I was like, how do I mitigate that? And then I just keep on running it until I'm satisfied. And a one to three max type of thing. Like figuring that beforehand could be the difference between you winning or, or, or losing a GPP. Right.
1: Yep. It's a, it's, it, that's, you know, the, the, Biggest thing I think I've learned this year is is truly how powerful so I am trying to I would rather err on the side of over planning, if you will, and trying to utilize this kind of strategy more than I should. Whereas I think outside of a couple of weeks, so like we had, we had one particular NFL week that I think I did a really good job. I fucked up my team. But I, uh, I think I did a really good job of of planning around this, but in general, like I'm cognizant of it. But I, like you said, I don't know if it's laziness or you just get down into the grind of of figuring out your teams that you 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 don't factor it in as much as you should. But I'm trying to because I, I truly truly believe that yes, the field is you know not stacking enough. Yes, there are still up there are still small edges um, and plenty of other things and, and we. Sh- and, We'll continue to talk about those, right? Stacking, roster construction, game theory, ownership, all that stuff is, are still edges. But the field is getting better. And the best players, which going back to our discussion about field sizes and contest types, the, the players that I'm playing against, they're pretty, like, I don't really have much of an edge in terms of just like general DFS concepts. But where I do honestly believe, there is a very, very large edge and is the biggest edge in DFS across all sports. We talked about how NBA it's the biggest, but it is across all sports, including NFL, is this concept of giving more information on my opponents. So I, I don't think I've done a great job of it, but it's been like that. That's been the thing that I've kind of learned, um, I think, a lot lately is, you know, this game is evolving and the edges change. Right. Two years ago, I could just like game theory these guys. And, and win, or like stack better than these guys and win, and that doesn't—that's that's not a thing anymore, really, for me specifically. So I'm trying to find where the the biggest edges lie, and I think this conversation that we just had um, about this, you know, late swap as it pertains to getting more information, is the biggest edge for me personally, and may, probably the biggest edge that exists in DFS. And I, I also don't think that um, a lot of our opponents. I think it's the thing that they'll be slowest to pick up on, um, at like stacking and like leveling each other, right? Like the Chiefs thing, um, or like you know we used to talk about the Cowboys thing. People are picking up on that that kind of thing, um, but this th- this is a very different thing. This is just like being at your freaking computer for four hours every, every Yeah, night but I think or, a, I think a lot or, of
0: sharp players do. I mean,
1: I mean, do, I, do I think, mean I really do, it really it really depends on the contests. Because I still think, I mean, if you
0: take a look at the difference in ownership in all sports from high stakes to low stakes, like it's the reason why I play the large field, low stakes stuff, because mm-hmm. it just, there's too much dead money for me. Like, yes, it'll take, it'll take, it'll take me longer and higher swings in order to realize my, my EV, you know, bank, you know, two or three times a year type of thing. But, you know, I, I can't, I, I can't ignore the dead money. I can't ignore it. Looking at CSVs and going, wow, look how much, look how much crappy lineups there are in these that like, you don't even have to do this stuff that well. Yeah. And win. Yeah. So, I mean, so th- these are the types of things that, uh, obviously we'll be talking about in NBA and, uh, MLB. I mean, it applies to all I'm sports. Excited. Right. So, uh, so you could always find out more. If you want me in your pocket, talking about all of this. Take the 15-hour audio DFS masterclass at theoryofdfs.com. Uh, theory of Daily Fantasy Sports. It's, uh, I mean, it's the general game theory of, of how to play DFS. And obviously, we talk about the, about the application on here. And this is how I, I consider, you know, the conversation that me and you have on on days that, on weeks that you don't have uh, a billion pieces of content to do, to be... <laughs> To to me, this is how two sharp players would talk to one another.
1: Just having fun, real... That's what you say, right? Just having, like, real conversations. Right, this is a real conversation. This is a... I would look at your lineup
0: and say, "Eh, I wouldn't have put Allen and Eckler together, and you would have told me why Mm -hmm. you did, and you would have said, well, in my contest, like, I mean, it's the same convers." and I would explain Mm -hmm. what I did and go, okay, that makes sense for those things, and maybe... Maybe you take some notes and you're like, okay, maybe Jerome was right on these things. And I take some notes and go, maybe I don't do that enough that Eric said, because maybe I didn't really like exactly.
1: that we're helping each other out as well as the audience. So you could follow. Yeah, it's a selfish, it's a selfish way to put out some content, right? I'm learning, I'm learning every week. So it, if everybody else learns a little bit, then that, that's perfect.
0: Right. And always be learning. I'm learning all the time. I like talking these things out. So you could follow mm-hmm. Eric at Eric Bime for on Twitter at Blender HD for me on Twitter. So Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports, take the 15-hour audio DFS masterclass at theoryofdfs.com. Subscribe, hit the thumbs up button, hit the subscribe button, hit the notification bell, rate and review on iTunes, all those types of shindigs. And we'll, we'll, we'll see you next week.